Welcome to this Journal Club podcast for Thorax. Today I'm interviewing Dr. Frank McKeon. Dr. McKeon works at the Genome Institute of Singapore and is also associated with Harvard Medical School. And today he's going to talk to us about an article he senior authored in Cell titled Distal Airway Stem Cells Yield Alveoli in Vitro and During Lung Regeneration Following H1N1 Influenza Infection. Dr. McKeon, thank you for taking the time to do this podcast. Well, thank you. Could you start by explaining why it was important to do this study? We've had a, a long-term interest in, in stem cells and uh, uh, this, this notion of lung regeneration really hadn't been uh, nailed down. And so when we found ourselves working with a system that uh, appeared to have robust lung regeneration, there had to be some stem cells underneath that. And so it was, it was really just a... It was good timing for for us to get uh, to go after this problem. Could you explain a little more about stem cells? You know, I, I think there's a, been tremendous efforts with embryonic stem cells and these induced pluripotent stem cells for their ability to generate a wide range of differentiated tissues, whether it's it's neurons or a hepatocyte or, or any of these tissues, there's much less work being done on adult stem cells for you know, reasons that, that aren't obvious to us. Uh, certainly, adult stem cells have been cloned. Uh, Howard Green cloned them from the epidermis and has used those in regenerative medicine for severe burn patients. Michaela DeLuca, using similar techniques, has done them for the corneal epithelium, repairing caustic eye burns, you know, regenerating the corneal epithelium. It's an amazing work that's been uh, published last summer in the New England Journal of Medicine. But beyond that, it's really hard to point to an example of adult stem cells being cloned as adult stem cells. We know, for instance, the GI tract uh, undergoes replacement every two weeks, and yet no one has been able to clone the stem cells from, from that. Um, there are other tissues we don't really understand whether they undergo regeneration at all, and uh, the lung is probably a, a great example of that. There's plenty of chronic lung diseases that seem to be a downward spiral, and uh, COPD and uh, idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis are just examples of that. So we were quite interested in the lung, whether that undergoes regeneration. Probably the best evidence for it was in this so-called uh, ARD syndrome. That's that's due to uh, whether it's due to you know severe lung damage due to influenza or other systemic reasons for this type of lung damage. And we know, digging into that, that the, the lungs totally disintegrate, or at least large portions of them do. And yet, um, there have been a number of studies that patients with severe ARDS recover, and they recover all pulmonary functions. So um, you can't do the same things you can do in mice with humans, so they, they haven't been able to sort of tear these things apart. But, um, you know, there's good uh, indirect evidence that these lungs had to undergo some pretty severe um, uh, regeneration process uh, that hadn't been well characterized in humans. Could you explain the various steps that you went through and describe some of the main experiments that you did? Well, um, we got together with people 
here, and in fact, Vincent Chow at the National University of, of Singapore. And he was working with a number of these uh, influenza models in mice. And his main interest is, is looking at the role of the immune response in, in this. But, you know, when we looked at these images, uh, we were just absolutely amazed how damaged these lungs would get. I mean, this is a classic ARD syndrome that's going on here, you know, a complete breakdown and, and dissolution of the lung. And yet, uh, the recovery of these mice from these severe influenza infections looked pristine by two months out. So they went from a period of massive damage, lung damage, to essentially lungs that you could not tell had ever been damaged. A normal alveoli, there was, there was no fibrosis involved in this. this. This really shocked us. And in the standard mouse field, People use bleomycin as, as a lung-damaging agent. Bleomycin is a chemotherapeutic that is limited in use because of the fibrosis that induces in the lung. So probably most people have been looking at attempts for uh, in lung repair in a system that, that naturally induces fibrosis. Whereas we looked at this H1N1 influenza model, and it was clearly a repair model in our in our eyes, and that, that stimulated all our, our our efforts. We we needed to find out what the stem cells were for that. What's the next step? Well, the next step was doing these infections with these are infections with murine adapted human influenza viruses. So you, these are taken, uh, they're passes passage through mice a number of times until you get a. Uh, a full-blown infection. And it's very easy to kill these mice at a certain titer of these influenza. But what we did was um, just lower the titer to a, a, a sub-LD50 level. So we created a lot of lung damage, but the animals uh, survived this. And so in the first slide, I mean, you can see this progression of the influenza uh, infection. And it has many of the features that you would expect for, for humans. You get uh, uh, massive lung damage, infiltration by uh, immune cells, uh, edema, you get um, just massive lung damage. And the real peak of the lung damage uh, starts at day nine and extends on through day 21. But then you start to get this repair process. So we wanted to see if you get this much damage and this much repair, we should be able to look for the stem cells involved in that. And a lot of the, this, this work was initiated by Pooja Kumar, a graduate student in the lab. And she started off uh, looking with a marker that we had for uh, stem cells in other stratified epithelia. And we think of the lung as a stratified epithelia. This is the uh, P63 gene. And what you can see is P63 has been well tied to upper airway stem cells. It marks basal cells underneath the ciliate and goblet cells that lie in the upper airways. But as you start to head down into the lower airways, there's very few of these so-called P63 positive basal cells. They're, they're difficult to find. And that's shown in one of these slides where you stain with P63, you never see them in the interstitial spaces of the lung, 
and you occasionally see them in the small bronchioles. However, Puja found out that at uh, day 11 post-infection, you see not only a large numbers of these on the bronchiolar uh, surfaces, but you see them in the interstitial spaces. And not only are they um, many more in number, but they've actually clustered into these so-called pods, which uh, co-stain with other markers of these immature basal cells. Um, so we saw a huge conversion of, of this from areas without P63 positive cells to areas with P63 positive cells. And these so-called pods that you got in the interstitial spaces were not unlike uh, the size of alveoli. We show this in, in a slide where um, the, these things form. Uh, in another slide, we show a broader area of this, and these pods always form around the bronchioles in a radial fashion. So we've done a lot of work on this, and we now know that uh, these uh, cells migrate from the bronchiolar regions um, to areas that are damaged, and they're undergoing a lot of proliferation. How do you see this work being applied to patients in clinical practice in the future? You know, I think that's a, that's a good question. I mean, we've, we've struggled with this. Clearly, for something acute, such as influenza infections, we don't imagine that there's going to be a process where you clone the patient's stem cells and then um, rush them down into, the, into their um, bronchiolar spaces, hoping they're going to repair the lungs faster. Those, as I say, are... are very rapid onset of an ARDS-like phenomenon. There's just no way that uh, we, we imagine it's going to be useful there. On the other hand, we've done a lot of bioinformatics on regions of repairing and damaged lungs. In the process of doing that, I think that's actually shown on one of the slides, we've used laser capture microdissection to investigate the gene expression profiles of these regions that show active repair versus regions that, that don't. And in the process of doing that, we've identified a large number of secreted proteins that uh, accompany the repair process. At some level, we imagine that those would be interesting biologics to assist in the, in the process of repair. You know, we, we show some of these uh, profiles. But it's interesting that you can see normal alveoli in one of in the arrays for normal alveoli, and they all cluster in a certain region. Uh, you can also see the regions that aren't undergoing repair, and those are very different. And the most exciting thing is the areas that have a lot of these so-called keratin-5 pods, where the stem cells are forming these clusters and uh, and repairing. That has some genes that overlap with the normal ones, but they have a new set of genes as well. And it's those new set of genes, so-called cluster A, that we think are going to harbor a lot of the interesting uh, biologics that could be, could be used to, to assist. Now, we don't know how they're going to assist. But that's trying to speed up the ARDS that will kill patients with, with say, pandemic influenza infections. There's a much broader area of application that we see for dealing with COPD and pulmonary fibrosis. 
In fact, most of our mail comes from patients with these types of uh, abject diseases. We, we see these types of, of stem cell repair processes as a regeneration process, something that really need to be instituted to reverse those diseases. As your, your readers know, that's a, a downward spiral, and there, there's no obvious way that stem cells can, can get into that. I mean, there's the problem of having fibrosis. There's a problem of having a deep airway that's, that's wracked by a COPD. Somehow, those tissues have got to be cleared out. We're, we're doing experiments now to try to get at that. Um, but once these things are carved out, we imagine the stem cells, which could be triggered, the indigenous stem cells, the endogenous stem cells could be triggered for repair processes. So that's the, the really exciting thing that, that we're, we're after right now. And I think that's probably many more cases of that that, that we need to address. Sounds absolutely fantastic. Once again, Dr. McKean, thank you very much for taking the time to discuss this work with me this morning. Okay, well, thank you. We really appreciate it. For more information about this program and other BMJ Group podcasts, please visit bmj.com.